Rest your eyes on verse 21. And we're not uh, going to be able to delve into all of the, the story of Saul, the first king of Israel, but I invite you in your own spare time, starting in chapter 10, reading actually through the end of the, the book of, of 1 Samuel, uh, to learn about this man's life and the things that we can glean from it so that the, the choices that he made will not be the choices we made. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near to the families, the family of Metrite was chosen. And Saul, the Kish, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Verse 22, therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the supplies. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that in that name we have access to you. You said we have a high priest. We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but Jesus was tempted just as we are yet without sin. And you said, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace where we can obtain mercy to help us in the time of our need. We need you right now, oh God. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. They could not find him. Legacy now, making a difference for the future. By making your mark for Christ as you surrender in obedience to the direction that he has already pre-established for your life. Anyone who, with a caring heart will agree with me that too many African-American men has needlessly lost their lives as the result of lawless law enforce, enforcement. Would I, can I get an amen on that? As I reflect on some of the higher profile cases, like George Floyd and most recently Tyree Nichols, I am amazed at a particular similarity that both of these horrible incidents have in common. As we watched in disbelief the injustices that were inflicted upon these two men, the sobering similarity that literally haunts me above everything else that I saw and we saw is the last words that these two men uttered as they sensed that their lives were escaping them. Both George Floyd and Tyree Nichols cried out for their mothers. And that is particularly unique to black men. What was interesting about Tyrese Nichols is that when he cried out to his mother, mama, 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 he was only two minutes away 
from his mother's home. At the time he was crying out, unknown to his mother, she got this pain in her stomach that was something that she had never experienced. It was an agonizing pain. She told her husband that my stomach is just really hurting me. She later learned that it was at that same time that her son Tyree was crying out for her when her stomach was hurting. I don't think that's a coincidence. But the question for me is, why do big, tough, strong black men cry out for their mother when they feel most vulnerable, when they feel most threatened. I remember when my mother had a massive stroke at the age of 50, and after five times of reviving her, life supports, I was the one who made the decision to not do it again. And after that call, I, I received a, a return call from the hospital that my mother had gone, she, was, she had died. And I remember, climbing in the bed in the fetal position. I, I hadn't, that wasn't planned. And I thought that even though I was married, my best friend, the person who understood me most, was gone. And so as I, as I pondered that question, though, I, I, I asked the Lord, help me to understand, why aren't brothers calling on daddy? when they are most frightened. Men do get frightened, amen? amen. I heard that from the women, but amen, praise the Lord. And here's what the Lord said to me. A man will always be his father's son, but he will never be his forever baby. A man will always be his father's son, but he will never be his forever baby. The biggest, baddest, strongest men will always be their mother's forever baby. Mothers represent a place of safety, comfort, and unconditional love. Mothers are the only persons that can treat a grown man like he's a baby without him feeling robbed of his manhood. I love that Wendy's commercial when uh, the, the, the brother is saying, this is the best, uh, what is it, toast, uh, French toast I've ever had. Nobody can cook. And then his mother says, what did you say? And then he said, I, I guess I better be quiet. This grown, hulking man could be reduced to a child in his mother's presence and still feel like a man. Now, if a daddy did that, that would be challenging something. Mothers know that inside of every adult son or daughter, there's a baby that is hidden from the eyes of the public. Mothers allow us to be our real selves. You can be you with mama in times of your weakest moments. Now, when I make that statement, that's a generality because not all mothers 
are like the mother that I'm describing. Amen. Amen. Now, with that said, what I'm about to say does not apply to all women and men, but I'm going to make some general comments that, I, that will help us to understand the nature of the sermon. Let the real you stand up. For many women, the hidden child or issue inside of you that we try to conceal is a deep fear of abandonment. Many women have a great need to belong, to be included, to feel needed, to have connections with others, to feel accepted, valued. Women innately need to nurture, to culture, to, to, to cultivate, to develop others in ways that are welcomed and appreciated. When these women feel isolated, ignored, excluded, uninvited, you don't have to even go, but you, you're supposed to get the invite. And if you don't get the invite, there's a problem. And alone, when you feel this way, because of this deep-seated issue of, of abandonment, you will, you will begin to experience insecurity, low self-esteem, and fear will dominate. If you feel isolated, separated, unappreciated, unconnected with others, you're not developing and cultivating the, in, in, in other people's lives in ways that it's appreciated and accepted, that, will, that triggers insecurity, sense of, a sense of inadequacy, I'm not attractive, I'm not important, those kinds of struggles. For many men, the hidden child or issue on our inside is that we struggle with pride. Amen. Men need to feel like we're in control of something. We want to appear successful, Strong, brave, fearless, decisive. Am I right about that, brothers? Calm, clear-headed in all situations. No matter what it is, we clear-headed. We're going to be the last one standing. We'll know where to direct people. We'll know what to tell them. We're not going to get emotional. We're not going to lose our head. We're in control. Right. <laughs> Going with the flow is hard for us. We need to know where the flow is going before we go with the flow. The worst thing that you can do is make a man feel embarrassed. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, that he is being laughed at or disrespected because we have a need to be in control. Now, we don't come right out and say that. We hide it with titles and positions. And the Lord says, I'm in charge, and I'm the head, and I'm the covering. And the Lord says all of that. But you can be in control without being controlling. And so the question today, as we look at this man named Saul. I want us to imagine that we're in that position where we have allowed 
the covers to be pulled away and the curtain has been drawn and, and, and people are able to see us for who we really are when the cameras aren't rolling, when we're not in public. And if they saw us, would the real you match the person that is on display right now representing you? Or would you like George Floyd and Tyrese Nichols when you are really at your weakest point, who you are will show. And on, in, on the inside of all of us is this baby. And I've seen this so many times in the years that I've been a hospice chaplain, when people are beginning to die and they're close, imminent to active, and they start talking to people that aren't in the room, the first person they say is mama. Because mama is somehow in their spirit right there with them, taking care of them as they begin to, to depart from this life. Now, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 17 through 28, we are invited into a period in Israel's history should, that should have been a time of celebration and coronation. For we learn in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that the Children of Israel, during the period of the judges, this was the end of the judge because Samuel was the last judge and the first prophet. During a period in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, the Bible says, in those days there was no king, and every man did what was right in his own sight. So in chapter 8, the people of Israel, they demand of Samuel to go before God and tell him, we want a human king. We want a human king. And so we discover that God chose Saul to be Israel's first king. And on the day that he should have been presented and he was confirmed, God had already chose him in, at the beginning of chapter 10 in verses 1 and 2 when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. But God allowed what he predetermined to be confirmed through the casting of what was called sacred lots. And the lot fell upon the tribe of Benjamin out of the 12 tribes. And then there were clans within the 12 tribes down to the tribe of Benjamin that was set apart as the last tribe where these sacred lots had fallen. And then separate families and clan or clans and then families were set apart. And then ultimately the, the lot fell on Saul. And so God allows visible confirmation of what he did privately through the choosing of the king through the prophet Samuel. So that God, God had already chosen him, just like when God brings a pastor, God will confirm that, not just through a select group, but he will confirm it through the church. That's how God operates in the scriptures. Leaders will choose, and then the church will confirm that this is the person. Somebody say Amen. Now, when we reflect on this man's life in terms of the real Saul, I want to consider three aspects of his life that I believe reflect us if we were looking at ourselves through the eye of the mirror of the Word of God. And the first uh, reflection that I want you to consider is the you that we want people to see that is described 
in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Let's go there, 1 Samuel chapter 9. That's in the Bible. And we just want to look at verses 1 and 2. If you, if you have that, say amen. Amen. Thank God for electronic devices. Thank God for our live stream church. And we, we're heading right into it. Amen. So the Bible says there was a Benjamite, a man of standing or a mighty man of valor, whose name was Kish, and uh, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becheroth, the son of Aphia, a, Benj- uh, a Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul. Say Saul. And as handsome a young man as you could find anywhere in Israel, and he was head, he was a head taller than anyone else. Now it's interesting that when God talks before Saul is even actually anointed to be priest or anointed to be the first king, that God describes his background. And the things that he describes would be, our, would be like our Facebook profile, the things that you want people to see about you. This is our, this is our highlight realm, our real. Okay? And so the first thing that he says that's impressive from the outside, if you had an Ancestry.com and you were looking up Saul's biographical sketch, and you read these things about him, you were considering a son that would marry your daughter. This would be the dude. Listen listen to what we learn about him. He came from a strong family. In fact, he was from the fifth generation of Benjamites. He could trace his ancestry, his ancestral line, all the way back to the youngest son of Israel, who was also Jacob. So he was the fifth in that line, of, of that generation. And so he, could, he, he knew that about himself. He had, a, he had a father who was described as a mighty man of valor. He was a man of high esteem. He was, he was a person who was looked up, uh, 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 looked up to and admired. And when, when, whenever a man was called a mighty man of valor, that was the highest accreditation or commendation that you could give to a man. He was a warrior, and he wasn't somebody to be messed with. And so Saul, on the outside, based on his genealogy, he came from a background of strong men who had backbone. That's what appeared on the outside. But not only did he come from a family with men of strong background, but he also came from a family of, who had money. You see, Kish owned a very successful livestock business. And if you read the chapter, you understand that he had staff and he had a lot of livestock. And it was because of his livestock, he sent Saul and a servant, one of his employees, go looking for donkeys that had gotten lost. And so he came from money. He wore the best camel hair clothes. Sheepskin. He he didn't smell like sheep, but he wore the best sheep clothes. (laughs) He probably went to Arch, Arch, Archmere, and what's the other one? The Ursuline. Uh, 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 he would have gone to a private school. He lived in the best neighborhoods. He drove on the, he rode on the best donkeys. This was before chariots. <laughs> and so this was a man who came from a strong family background that had money he wanted for nothing. 
And so, again, looking from the outside, Saul appeared to be the kind of person who we would say is most likely to succeed. He would be who's who among American students. And on top of that, he, he was like me. He looked good. The Bible says he was, he was good looking. I always, uh, when I'm in the hospital, I have my mask on. I'll pull it down quickly. And I say, remember this face. This is a handsome face, right? And I say, I have to say that because nobody else does. <laughs> I might as well. So he was, the Bible says he, there was no one else that looked as good as him. He actually looked like that profile picture that was on his Facebook page. He was also a person from a, a spiritual background. He knew the word of God. He knew about the prophet of God. He knew about the, 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 the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. This was a man uh, who he would say he was, he was raised in the church. And for all intents and purposes, he knew God. And so this brother on the outside, he had it going on. I mean, if you were looking for somebody that you were going to check out, you would want somebody spiritual, somebody with some money, somebody with education, somebody who came from a, a, a good family. You don't see anything about breakups and family dynamics and dysfunction. No, none of that. He's got on the outside parents' great marriage on the outside. This was his external person, the person that we want everybody to see, his highlight reel. Now, this is the time of the year when I start checking out the draft potential football players that are going to come to my team, the best team. Not the best team this year, but you know what I'm saying. And, and what college players do before they go to the tryouts, they will send highlight reel film of their best plays, their greatest strengths. And they send them out to every team that they think will consider them to be drafted on draft day. The only problem with that is every team that would consider them also develops their own film. And they're not just looking at your highlights, your best day, when your clothes are right, when the hair is right, you got the false teeth and they ain't sliding out, and, you, and, and you're not angry, and the food didn't get burned up, the kids aren't acting crazy, you're not saying things out your mouth that you know God isn't pleased with. They're looking at the days when the team was losing if you still played with 100%. They're looking at the times when you took the assignment off. They're looking at the times when you were showboating in the end zone. They're looking at to see what you're really like when you're in a situation that's not favorable to you. And so what we do, again, we often show people the, the best representation of ourselves. Because we want people to like us. We want people to think that we're what we appear to be. That's Reverend Benson. That's Pastor Benson. He can preach the word. He can say, well, I want you to see that. I want you to hear that. But don't talk with my wife on a day that things didn't go quite right. She might be a little more honest about me. <laughs> yeah, he's perfect, but about 99% of the time... <laughs> And so there's this individual that's not a part of some highlight reel. The person that we want 
other. We want people to think we're strong. We don't fall apart under pressure. We, we don't want to feel, we don't want people to think we're not smart. We don't want people to, to think that we're failures. We ain't telling people, I, I, was, I got to sharing on Wednesday night about some of the things that I've experienced in my life, and people got real quiet. We ain't telling people the bad stuff. Because if they see us for the way we really are, we are afraid that we will lose control. We are afraid that we will have abandonment situations. And so the question that I need to ask, is the real you here today? Is the real you standing up today? Or are you showing us your highlight reel? Real. What are you hiding? Somebody said, what we hide, God can't heal. And one of the things that you go through the word of God, God's word, it, it, before there was reality TV, there was the scriptures. The Bible doesn't hide, it, it hide anything. Shows us with our makeup off. Shows us when we fall, David's sin. And, 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 and then we go through uh, uh, the, 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 the situation with Joseph's brothers and, and just on and on throughout the scriptures, we see the real the real areas of sin. And that's why God says to us about the real us. He said, if you regard iniquity in your heart, if you hide stuff to impress people externally, I will not hear you. I will not answer you. I cannot deal with you. Sometimes the hardest thing to do for us to get beyond that profile picture that, that's 20 years younger than you are, 35 pounds lighter than you are, Instead of hiding the weight with dark colors and, 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 uh, and, and con continuously giving the narrative as if you're still that person you were 30 years ago, the hardest thing for us to do is to tell ourselves the truth. And so the Saul that everybody saw externally, this dude had it going on. That's why we're so shocked when we hear, and he killed himself. Today, when you read in the newspaper articles, the way, that, the way, the way uh, they say, and so, such and such died, and the cause of death has not been uh, revealed yet, suicide. And then eventually, weeks later, they'll tell you the person killed themselves. How could they kill themselves? They had everything. They had money in the bank. They had marriage. They got kids. They got all these opportunities to, to forward their career. And the next thing you know, they've, they put a gun to their head and, and taken their lives. Why? Because what they appear to be on the outside wasn't the real them. That's why we don't want to be a plastic church. We want to be the kind of church that if you're really hurting, you're not saying God is good and all the time is God is good and you're going home to eat your last meal. No, we have to be the kind of church. The Bible says confess your sins one to another and the prayer of faith will heal you. We've got to come clean. We've got to be more concerned about allowing God to show us first and to others who can love us into being like Christ the real us. We look pretty good on the outside, don't we? Now, the you that we really are, that we don't want others to see, is the brother who we read about in chapter 10, Saul. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to, to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. We already read that. And then he said, when they looked for Saul, the son of Kish, they could not find him. They could not find him. 
Some husbands are still trying to find the wife that they dated. They cannot find you. Some wives are still looking for the husband that dated them. They cannot find them because they dated your representative. They did not date you. And the interesting thing is the scripture doesn't say they didn't look. They just couldn't find them. And the interesting thing about the parts that we don't want people to see, we are good at hiding. We know how to conceal what we don't want people to know about us because we want them to think well of us. They want, we want them to think that we really got it going on. Now, notice the, the sequence here, what God did. First of all, what God did. It was God who chose Saul to be the first king of Israel and allowed him to be confirmed. Now, remember that. Each of us, God said, before the foundation of the world were formed, I knew you. I watched over you and your mother's doing. I was involved in the, concept, the act of conce- conception. And I don't care how you were conceived. The Bible said children, no matter what child you are, wherever you are, are a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And so God has predetermined for you what he wants, wants you to do and what, what he has placed on this planet for God also exposed Saul, who did not want anybody to see him. The Bible says they sought him, but they couldn't find him. Therefore, what did they do? They inquired, they prayed. There's some people that you're dating, and you're not sure if you should marry them. If you want to know what they're really like, you need to do with these, the children of Israel. They prayed. Where is he? Is he here? Is this person that I'm falling in love with, this person that I'm about to spend my life with, is he or she really who they appear to be? They inquired of the Lord, where is the real Saul? Where is the real Saul? If you really want to know, the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharpening to its own. But the part that I like is that it discerns the, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. We don't even know ourselves. We do stuff and we say, why did I do that? Why am I thinking like this? I said I wasn't going to eat that. I wasn't going to go there. And here I am again. What is going on? The the word of God discerns our thought. It explains to us. So if you really want to know why you do what you do, we need to pray. They inquired of the Lord. I want you to understand, it's not just, this is not no perfunctory going through the motion prayer. The scripture says that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great benefit. So if you really want to know who you are, and before you introduce yourself to somebody that you might be swapping spit with or spending the rest of your life with, you better know clearly who you are because you don't want to be finding out who you are on the other side of a final decision. And so they inquired of the Lord, where is he? Where is he? Have you made that a part of your prayer request? Lord, show me in myself. Why am I not making a commitment? Why am I dragging my feet? Why am I hesitant? Is there really the person I'm portraying myself to be? Is that really me? Or is the baby inside of me, the insecure side of me, is what's really the true side of me that's keeping me from moving forward and what you called me to do. God has called you to greatness, not mediocrity. God has called us to do greater things than Jesus said. Greater things than I did, you will do. 
And so they prayed. They said, where is he? And then the Lord exposed them. The Lord said, he's hiding. I was talking to a godly woman at work. And said, she said she was watching a prominent preacher, thousands of people in the audience. And as he was waxing eloquently, she saw that man in the spirit in a fetal position crying. Because what he was really preaching out was his pain. People were shouting and raising their hand, but they didn't realize as they were listening to the preacher, that was a broken man. And God showed her that. I want you to know when you get sincere about praying, God will give you discernment about what you're dealing with. I, want to, I believe one of the things that God will give the shepherd, the shepherd knows the hearts of the sheep. He'll give you discernment about the real person behind the, barab, the, 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 the brassness. There's a person inside of us that we need to address. And as we come to grips with that reality, that the hesitations that I had, the things that God told me to do that I haven't done, the things that I keep, when, when the children of Israel had come to the place where they could enter into the promised land, one of the things that Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and chapter 1, before he dies, he says, we've been around this mountain too many times. Why do we keep circling the same mountain? Why do we keep ending up in the same place? I want you to know that we haven't come to grips with the real, the real us. They could not find Saul. He knew how to hide. He hid where no one could find him. And we know how to hide our insecurities. We know how to keep people laughing. One of the things that I did as a kid to hide my insecurities, I was a class clown. Really, I didn't want to be the class clown, but I didn't want people to focus on the fact that I couldn't do certain things that they could do. We know how to avoid being rejected as men. We, we just, uh, we, we, know how to be, we know how to avoid being rejected as men. We just get louder, we get more physical, we get more threatening. And a lot of times when we see men that are angry, it's not that they're generally angry, they just don't know how to identify and be comfortable with any other emotion. We know how to be angry, we don't know how to be kind. So we hide our inabilities to be kind and to be sensitive and to be tender behind anger. Somebody say amen. amen. We hide behind excessive weight. If you don't want a man to react you, you just gain a lot of weight. Nobody's going to look at you. And so you wonder, why am I gaining all this weight? There's a deeper issue. The surface is the weight. The real core issue is that if somebody really paid attention to you, they could reject you. And so to avoid rejection, we just make sure nobody pays attention to us. Somebody say amen. We hide by doing things that we think will make people like us. We get another credential. We get a higher position at our jobs. We get a bigger house. We get a nicer car. And if we do these things, they will accept us. They will see us as important. They will see us as significant, only to get those things and still have that emptiness that says there's something missing. And so the Lord showed them where he was. They could not find the real Saul. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord, and the Lord showed them where Saul was. And the Bible says that he was hidden. He was hidden. I used to look at that passage of Scripture where Saul was hidden, and I thought, that's humility. 
He doesn't want to be serenaded and, 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 and the lights shining brightly on him. He was trying to avoid that. He just wanted to be low-key, and that's what that was all about. That wasn't humility. That was really pride. Pride comes in different ways. Pride comes in the people who have what are called superiority complexes. They are better than you. You will never be on my level. And then there are those who have the pride of inferiority. I am nothing. I will never be anything. My family has never been anything. Come on and walk on me. Step on me. Please make me feel like I'm worth and, 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 and being mistreated in that way, you actually feel valued, but that's still pride. So Saul wasn't hiding because of humility. He was hiding because of pride. And the pride was that he would, not, he would lose control over his life in ways that would force him to depend on God. Somebody say amen. Now the question is, it more, more specifically, why did Saul hide? And we'll talk about that a little bit. But as, but as for your donkeys, this is what the prophet says uh, in, in, in chapter 9, verses 20 through 21. When, when Saul meets the prophet Samuel, God reveals to the prophet Samuel, he said, about this time tomorrow, a young man will come, and the man that will come is the person that I have chosen to be the king over Israel. And so Saul thought he was looking for donkeys, but really, God was looking for him, and he brought him in contact with the prophet. And so, and on him, all of Israel's desire. He now saw, now King, uh, uh, the prophet Samuel speaking to Saul. He said, and on him, all the desires of, are all the desires of Israel. Is it not on you in all your father's house? Verse 21, and Saul answered, and he said, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest of the tribes, and my family is the least of the families of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? So when the Lord identified Saul as the first king, his first response was, why are you saying this? I come from the least tribe. We are the least significant. And I'm, the clan that I'm a part is less than any of the others. We, 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 we worthless. Now, the truth is, we could all say that, and it would be true. Because apart from God, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do how much? How much? You can do nothing. And so the truth is, was, it was true, but this was spoken out of a heart of inferiority. I'm nothing. Our family's nothing. And this guy got the money. He's got the looks. He comes to the best school, wears the best clothes. He got all this stuff going on for him externally. But internally, he is tormented in his thought life. He thinks terribly about himself. He's the guy that can, can, can praise everybody else and, and tell them how great they did. And if somebody starts encouraging them or making a compliment, they quickly deflect it, deflect it from themselves and start saying, no, 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 let's talk about you. That's all. He had no self-confidence in all of the advantages that God gave him. That's why we, we scratch our head. How in the world could my son become a drug addict? How can she overdose on drugs? She was raised in the suburbs. She went to the best school. She had a family that took her to church who loved God, and now she's trying, because she didn't believe any of that, because the guy that you exposed her to never became the guy that she personally received. Hello. Hello. Saul had a problem 
with serving God out of his comfort zone. We all cool as long as we can serve God and it doesn't interfere with our football game. We cool as long as God doesn't interfere with our schedule. Saul had a comfort zone. He was low key. He was, he was cool with fine, looking for, for donkeys and being in the background and, and doing things that nobody noticed. Just come to church and leave. You're not going to serve anywhere. Just come to church, get fed, then go home, come back again, read your Bible every now and then. Cool in your comfort zone. But God didn't save you to be comfortable. And the reason the world is in the position it's in the, today is because the church of Jesus Christ has fallen asleep. And like Saul, we just want to be cool, calm, and collect. As long as you don't invite, make me do something that interferes with what I've already planned. Many churches today, at 12 o'clock, they start at 11, at 12 o'clock, they're closing briefcases, they're, they're picking up purses, and I don't care what the preacher said. I don't care if he's even Jesus on the cross, they're walking out that door because they got other things to do. And so Saul had a problem with serving God out of his comfort zone. We, we want people to think we're spiritual because you remembered Bible verses 50 years ago. When's the last time you learned a new Bible verse? When's the last time you, you spoke out of something, a proceeding word based on what God is doing in your life today? I don't want to hear about what God did 20 years ago. What is God doing in your life today? Saul was comfortable in yesterday. So he, he didn't want God putting in. He was an introvert. And we, we said, that's not my personality. I don't like, no, I don't like being up front either. But God gave me this call, and I'm acting out of obedience to him. He had a problem when the Lord forced him outside of that comfort zone. And he said, and on you, on, and, and on whom is all of Israel's desire? They want you. Even though they didn't know they wanted him. Is it not on you in all of your father's house? Kind of like when God told Moses, he said, I'm sinned. He said, I've heard the cry of my people. And Moses said, amen. And, and they're suffering, amen. And they're having a hard time, amen. And Pharaoh's been doing this for a long amen. And I'm sending you. And Moses said, wait. <laughs> my name is Jack, and I ain't in this man. He said, but I'm old. I got a criminal background. I tried this before. I got to speak. How are you going to send me back as a prophet? And I got a stammering tongue. I got a lisp. The Lord says, Surely I will be with you. Saul was, had a problem when the Lord forces us out of our comfort zone. You got to come out of that cloud. You can't remain the way you are and serve God. That's why the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to act like you in your flesh. You're going to act differently. Somebody's going to see Jesus because when I'm controlled by the Spirit, the Bible says, my light will shine before men and they will see my good works and I will have an answer for every man who asks if the reason of the hope that's within me with fear and trembling when I'm not in my flesh. Saul, meant, Saul, here's the third issue. Saul was tormented by his thought life. Oh, my God. How many of you struggle with your thought life? I had somebody call me. They're a prolific writer. 
They had traveled the world, preparing, preparing for God, and they said, I can't sleep at night. I said, why not? He said, they can't shut their minds down. But I hear about they who keep their minds stayed on him. He said, I will give you what? Why don't you have peace? Why are you thinking the worst first? Why have you already failed before you even tried? Why have you determined they don't like you when they don't even know you? And even if they did, it doesn't matter. You don't live with them. And even if you did live with them, the Bible says, love your enemies and pray for them who despitefully use you. And you got to pray for them anyway. So I don't, even, don't, don't, give, don't add to my prayer list. I don't even want to know who my enemies are. That just makes my prayer list longer. He was tormented by his thoughts. Oh, God, when I think about the things that I experienced as a child, and God will bring them up on occasion, I don't feel the pain. But every now and then I say, how in the world? And then I understand my hesitancy, my, 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 my lacking. Uh, I take risks, but they're great risks. In order to get to Middletown, we're going to have to take some risks, y'all. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zone, y'all. We're going to have to be in the spirit, y'all. We are tormented. We are messed up from the neck up. We ain't talking about the Bible. We ain't talking about Jesus. We talking about everything but Jesus. The pain in my neck, the pain in my ear, the bank that I'm, I'm going to have to stand in the line when I get there. And they burn my McDonald's cheese. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to find me another McDonald's. He was tormented by his thoughts. He didn't see handsome. He didn't see fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't see that when he looked in the mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you hear God saying, I have made you. You are not a mistake. I have no trouble communicating until I get in my flesh. And my tongue will get tied in a minute. So what God has taught me when I know that I'm, I have to be, first of all, I'm trying to impress somebody. I feel like I need to gain their acceptance by my vocabulary. What God has told me to do, take the attention off of you and put it on them. Make this, and that's what I see somewhere in the Bible says, placing the interests of others above your own. Isn't that in the scripture anyway? We are so tormented with our thoughts. And where did they come from? The people that we love the most. And where did they continue to come? What are you watching? God, the Bible says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate both day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and whatsoever. He didn't say watching the vision and CNN. You're going to find yourself negative, and, and the world is coming to an end. It's going to come to an end, just like God said it would in his word. What are you feeding your mind? You give, your, you give yourself five minutes in, in devotion, and you spend the rest of your day listening to garbage. And then we wonder when trouble comes. 
We aren't able to recite the word of God for our situation. We remember how she cut the tires on her husband's car and how she busted out his window. Saul was tormented in his thought life with fear. Oh, how many of us as Christians live in terror for fear of failure? The only failure that we can experience is the failure to try. Because failure is not final if you keep trying. The you that you can be is, re is revealed in the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that as we finish. First of all, we saw the real, the, the you that we want people to see. Great family, money, good looks, church going. But the real us have, have difficulties coming out of our comfort zone, difficulty seeing ourselves the way God sees us, and we beat ourselves up in our thought life. Here's, here, here's how you can become what God intends so that the real you, here's the real you. Because I hear these young guys, I'm just keeping it real, cussing and, 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 and smoking and and, and drinking, and you, you rapping, and you got your podcast. Man, we just got real. No, that ain't being real. That's under the influence of a mind-altering substance. And all that real has done is kept you from God and kept you angry. If that's, that's not real, scriptural. Let me say, here, here's how you can be, be real. First of all, repeat this after me. You must accept God's assignment. In verse 1 of chapter 10, the Bible says, Samuel took the flask of oil and he poured it on his head and he kissed him and he said, is it not because of the Lord I have anointed you? <laughs> what is your, I keep going back to this, you can't fulfill your call and legacy and leave something to bless people when you're gone. If you don't know your assignment, you must accept it. Your assignment, you're not an arm, you're a foot. I like, way, I like the way the arm moves. Well, without a foot, the arm not going to function right. Well, I want to be the ears, but with the, the body is all ears. What about the eyes? What is your assignment? What part of the body has God predetermined for you to serve? You must acknowledge your inadequacies. I like what Paul says. He says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are sufficient or adequate or competent in our own selves as having anything of ourselves, but our competence, our adequacy comes from God who has made us competent ministers of the new covenant. My confidence, my adequacy, my abilities, my skills come from the Lord. So I acknowledge on my own, I'm an empty vessel. God will fill empty vessels. So acknowledge, yeah, he knows that you got long feet. He made them that way. He knows every hair that falls from your head that we keep trying to catch. Oh, not another one. Oh. I'm about to give up the ghost, y'all. It's coming. Acknowledge your inadequacies. 
Are there times when you're afraid as a man? You can say that. You don't have to tell the world. Stand up front. I remember I tell the pastor at one time, really struggling with a bunch of stuff and making some tough decisions. I said, Pastor, right now I'm dealing with a spirit of fear. And he looked at me like I had five heads. Man of God? Where is thou with coming from? He never responded. He would not answer that question. He couldn't because he refused to accept that the reason he was the way he was, domineering, controlling, dictatorial, is because he was a scared man, a little baby inside, dominating people to stay in charge. I just wanted to know my next step and how it was, fear was hindering me. I was willing to acknowledge my inadequacies. Are you? All right, raise your hand and tell everybody. No, 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 we don't need to do that. <laughs> Here's a third, third and next to the final thing. You must avoid the sin of trying to please people more than God. Saul was a people pleaser. When you read the story of Saul, he was always saying, the people made me do it. I saw the people, and they were afraid, and they were running. And so because of how the people were responding, I decided to act outside of my assignment. I decided to act outside of my anointing. And so I took control in areas where he was not given the authority. He was a people pleaser. We are more concerned about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. That's why we can talk to the people in our homes worse than anybody else that we would ever talk to outside of our house. We can be meaner to the people in our home than we would ever be to the people that are outside of our home. We will reverence our boss and disrespect our husbands and have no problem and sleep like a bear. We'll run out and help somebody's wife with their groceries and let your wife fall down the step five times and ask her, are you all right, baby? Avoid making people more important than God. The Bible says that the fear of people is a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. Here's the final thing. Write this one down. You must allow the Lord to complete what he has promised. Here's what he promised Saul. He said to Saul, he said to the prophet, these things are going to happen. You've been anointed, but I know you're going to question it because you messed up from the head up. Here's how God is going to prove to you that you are the one he chose. He said the first thing is God promised that he would work on Saul. He said, my spirit shall come upon you. That's the first thing that the prophet Saul said. I'm going to work on you. My spirit shall come upon you. The second thing he says, God promised to work through Saul. He said, you will prophesy. I'm going to give you gifts, Saul. I'm going to work through you. I'm going to work on you. He said, I'm going to work with you. He says, for God will be with you. God will be with you. And he says, so I'm going to also work in you. I will turn you into a new man. God said, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to give you the ability to rise above your insecurities, rise above those things that you fear. So I'm going to work in you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to work with you. Allow God. He said, he who began a good work in you. Y'all can finish that for me. He will complete it. Why do we have Because he promised it. What has God promised you? Whatever he promised, we need to trust him. We need to Allow him to complete it. I was really shocked, like some of you, 
when I read about the basketball player, real, a young player, 23 years old, that I admire, John Moran. Yesterday, in the paper, not in the paper, but on the tablet. Stand with me. Somebody had him think that he could go to a private club, hide himself, take off his shirt, drink things he shouldn't drink, smoke things he shouldn't smoke, and be his real self under the influence of alcohol and only God knows what else. What else. And while he's being in real self, he decides to ban banter a gun or a van shagun, pour out and just, <laughs> he didn't know that his private party and his so-called real friends, that he could really be himself in, in, in a separate, isolated place, they were videotaping him. And thousands of people saw it on Instagram. I want you to know that, then, then here, here's the real self that comes out. He was so embarrassed when he realized what he did and how people saw him exposed, looking for validation from the wrong people, a, would -be, a wannabe thug. Unfortunately, we think that our validation for who we really are can come outside of God. It, you'll never find the real validation that you need with anyone other than God and the people of God. This is the place where we have family. This is the place where we have com community. This is the place where you can be real and we will hold up your arms. This is a place where there's a no judgment zone where you can bear your soul and let the real you stand up. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you, O oh Lord that you allow us to be the real us in Christ, the one who accepts his assignment, the one who acknowledges his inadequacies, avoids making people more important than you. Oh God, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that we can be the ones who will allow your promises to be filled in our life. That's being real. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to be our worst enemies, but to turn to the things that we've learned today so that we can comfort others who are struggling just like we are to accept who they really are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.